It is Locked on Jazz for the 8th of October, November. Wait, 8th of number one in the West on the 8th of November? Yeah, yeah, that's that's your Utah Jazz. They're number one in the West, and they just keep getting better. We're talking about that, the role of Kelly Olynyk, the offense rolling, and a blowout win over the hapless Los Angeles Lakers. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for waking up today, getting up today, grabbing whenever it is, and making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free. We are available on all podcasting apps. We are available on YouTube. Thank you very much. Please subscribe, five-star reviews, and hit that bell button that notifies you of what's going uh, whenever we go live or have a show for you. Today's episode is brought to you by Sweatblock. If you're someone you love experiencing, someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. 20% off with promo code LOCKDOWN at sweatblock.com, also available at Amazon. Again, uh, yesterday I welcomed new listeners because we're just having so many of them. So if you're new to the show, you've jumped the jazz bandwagon, you're wondering what's going on, you're a Laker fan who watched that and said, well, maybe I'll root for that team instead. Um, welcome. Glad to have you aboard. This is Lockdown Jazz. It's your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. And we uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it. Um, the biggest thing to me, well, first of all, the Jazz are number one in the West. Like, yeah, because we saw that coming. Um, I don't think we really saw Portland being number two in the West either. And as Will Hardy said last night, we all know that this has no value. Okay, it's just super fun. Like, we just never thought 12 games into the season that you're going to pull up the conference standings. And while the East actually looks totally reasonable, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Boston, Atlanta, like, oh, the trade worked. There's actually nothing. The only thing that's funky on the East is that Brooklyn's four and seven and Miami's four and seven. Otherwise, and maybe Philadelphia's five and six, but if you told me they had the injuries they've had, it wouldn't be that crazy. Um, there's really, the East like, looks totally reasonable other than Brooklyn and Miami are kind of missing in the top five. The West is actually beginning to get there, except for these two interlopers that's Utah and Portland. Phoenix and Denver are one, two, which I think everybody kind of anticipated. Dallas, Luka's having a cheat code year, and Memphis is working their way up, and the Clippers got a mammoth come from behind win last night, and you know you got a bunch of little pieces there, and Golden State's 4-7. and seven. Does seem a little funky, um, which you didn't exa- expect. Same thing as Brooklyn and Miami. Um, but really, the interlopers are Utah at 9-3 and three and Portland at 7-3 and three that just don't make any sense. Having played more games than anyone else in the league, the Jazz have, having played more road games than any other team in the league, the Jazz are sitting here. That's what's kind of crazy about this is that this schedule to start the year was almost there was there was there was talk around the Jazz when the year started. Hey, they might be okay, but boy, that schedule will just derail them anyway. And then they'll really fall apart. Well, that has not happened. The Jazz have played eight games against above five hundred teams. That's the most of any team in the NBA. They've played the most road games. 
and the most games overall. It begins to slow down here as we'll play Atlanta on Wednesday and then not again until Saturday. And then next week we come back and we play the Knicks and we get two days off before we play Phoenix. But then we just pop right back out to Portland and Los Angeles before coming home for one and playing three games in four nights again. Um, I'm back at both sets of it. So it's not a lot of rest for the weary. Um, the question I'm getting a lot, I, I, I never know how to answer, is well, when should I take this? Enjoy, just enjoy it. Like, this is crazy. We didn't, it's, it's, we keep calling it the most fun year we've ever had. I don't love that. I think it's a little bit of revisionist history. We really had a lot of fun two years ago when the Jazz were the number one seed. We're one of the most fortunate fan bases on how much fun we've had every single year. We may not be the most fortunate fan base in winning a title, but frankly, most people haven't. Um, and we haven't been to the finals in a long time. But in regards to entertainment from October and through May, we're probably one of the most fortunate fan bases in all of the NBA, if not all sports, about the amount we win every year. So this idea that this is the most fun team we've ever had seems a little silly to me. But the idea that it's the team that surprised us the most or takes us back to maybe that Sloan year, I think is true. We're very, very reminiscent. The Jazz are very, very reminiscent right now of the Jeff Hornacek 48-win Phoenix Suns team. Very, very reminiscent. It's just kind of this team that everyone had discounted. It was supposed to be terrible and is just completely playing in a style and an energy and a tempo and a pace of what they're doing. And that's what jumps out to me about right now about the Jazz more than anything else is they're getting better. Like, there's not a lot of X's and O's to do about the, the Lakers last night without LeBron, without Patrick Beverly, without Lonnie Walker, uh, without Thomas Bryant, who aren't great, by the way. Patrick Beverly, I'm... Like, it's a great story, and he jumps on scoring tables, and we get excited about him, and he fits SportsCenter highlights, but, and he plays really good defense, but he's pretty limited. Like, Taylor Horton Tucker's a much better player than Patrick Beverly. That was a fleece job by Danny Ainge on that trade, too. Um, the, is, the, what jumps out to me more than anything else right now is that the Jazz are getting better. You watch them play right now, and their pick-and-roll offense is getting a little bit better each and every game. They keep coming into, uh, I think, last night, four of their best five pick-and-roll games had been in four of their last five games. You're beginning to see uh, players playing better. Everyone seems to be on a little bit of an uptick. Now, certainly playing the Lakers twice doesn't, doesn't hurt that at all. But on the other end, what you're actually seeing, I think, is that the Jazz, you're beginning to see... Will Hardy figuring out how to use players, right? The most common one we're talking about is the Colin Sexton-Mike Conley combination, which is really contrary to what we anticipated. But in, in the meantime, he's figured out the best way to use Taylor and Horton Tucker. He's changed some rotational things so that you suddenly have Kelly Olynyk playing in different spots. And you're seeing the Jazz just using better and better play. Let's go back to the pick and roll for a second. The Jazz last six games of pick and roll Last seven games of pick and roll have really been good. Starting back, so they start the year really, really badly on pick and roll. In the f- first in four, five of their opening games, they're point nine one or below. Two of them they're in the point eights, and one of them they're in the point sevens. Like that's that's not going to get it done with pick and roll. And they're not brilliant. But then Denver, they were point nine seven. They were one point oh, one point one against Memphis, against Dallas. They were point nine two. Not a great game against the Lakers the first time at point eight nine. Clippers point nine six. And then Lakers last night at .95. And so we're beginning to see, and they've kind of found a sweet spot of how many picks to run. So a little bit of that also. You know, in the opening games of the year, we were running 79, 80, 80 picks a game. 
we're we're down into the mid sixties, fifties, and sixties. That I'm not sure what's right or wrong. My point on that is much more that what you're seeing right now is you're seeing Will Hardy and his coaching staff kind of figure out what it is they want to do and how they want to play. We're not a great pick and roll team at all. We're seventeenth in the league. You know, Boston and, and Dallas and Cleveland and Brooklyn are are in Miami are on a totally different plane. Um but we were bad to start the year. Like we were one of the worst pick and roll teams in the league and you, you don't actually want to be there. And so that's to me a sign of where this team is just getting better. You're seeing, you're seeing them begin to, and then you're also beginning to see the players begin to understand each other better and how to use each other and what to do. We're seeing Malik Beasley find his role and figure out. Now it helped Malik to start those last two games. That, that clearly helps him. He's going to have to come back off the bench when Vando's healthy, which I would suspect is on this road trip since he was close to starting the, uh, last night. And he's going to have to figure out um, whether or not this is something he can. This is you know whether or not this is something he he can how he can find his vibe off the bench because he he played really really well and that shooting is is potent. Um, so you're just seeing each of these players begin to play a little bit better. You're seeing the offense begin to get a little bit better. You're beginning to see um, the coaching staff begin to understand each guy a little bit better and then how to maximize each, which is impressive work by the coaching staff uh, to see that. And then maybe the most important thing that's happening as you talk to these players is they now believe. And, you know, whether we believe or not, probably irrelevant. What, what matters is that they believe. And when you, as there's a moment in time in the NBA where the, the, the margins between the not as good teams and if you don't go one through, if you get out of one verse 30 and you get into six verse 24, the margins get really thin. Maybe even five this year, four or five for 24. The margins get really, really thin. And so when you start to believe you're good and believe in yourself and have that confidence and play with that confidence, it makes a massive, massive difference. And it wins you basketball games. There's, I, I've talked about this a lot, you, if you remember. We, when we used to be kind of a 50-win team, maybe even a little less. You used to look at the schedule and say, is there a moment in time where the Jazz, where the schedule gives them five of six, six of seven, and they start to believe in themselves, and then you go beat the the good team, right? Then you go surprise them, Milwaukee or Miami or someone like that, and grab that extra game. And now all of a sudden, then you get a little bit more on the schedule. And now all of a sudden, you know, you've won eight of nine, seven of them have against been below 500 teams. But boy, do you feel good about yourself. And boy, do you believe in yourself. And that's where we are with this team. The thing is, they're doing it on a schedule I just talked about, which is the most games, most road games, most plus 500 games. And that belief is real. And that, that, I think, you know, may carry them to go grab two games of this road trip. We'll see. This is a hard road trip. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about getting better. I've got some more notes on getting better that I want to touch on. And then I also want to talk about um, Arvin Ham had some really interesting comment about the Jazz. To get, we're beginning to get interesting perspectives from other people. Something Will Hardy talked about in training camp that I think is coming to fruition. And then and a move by Danny Ainge that, like, really, really, really mattered. Um in all sorts of ways. Today's show, a Tuesday edition of Locked on Jazz, is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan. And in Linden, the Hyundai lineup of cars is just absolutely fabulous. Uh, hard, hard to match uh, what you can get for the dollar when you're talking about Hyundai. In fact, impossible in my mind. Uh, whether it's the beautiful Palisade, whether it's the Zippy Kona, 
or whether it's the Santa Fe's, which we've bought two over the new electric Ionic 5. Hyundai's got the great lineup of cars. You get all the bells, all the whistles, plus for a reasonable price with all the safety features. When you go do the research and you want value and you want good looking, that's it. I always tell you, hey, it's up to you what your car's going to look like. I think I've told the story about many, many years ago. Uh, I did all the research and it came out to be a Honda Passport. And I got there and I was going to go buy it for my wife or us. And I got there to the um, dealership and I was right at the finish line and I just looked at the car and I didn't think it, I didn't like the way it looked. So I walked up the street and bought an Acura MDX instead at the time. This was, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, and, you know, I just, because I like the way the car looks. So I'm telling you that if you just put it on paper for the Hyundai, you're going to get the most bang for your buck. You're going to get the safety features. You're going to get extra features. You're going to get a great right. You decide whether it's the right car for you. But when you do, well, let's set you up with Cameron in, in Murray and let's set you up with Jake down in Linder. If you're going to head up to Logan, we got Tyler up there for you. We'll give you the VIP treatment. So email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com and make sure we give you the VIP treatment at Murdoch Hyundai so that you can get uh, everything uh, that you need there. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Sweat Block. Uh, if you are one of those people that uh, has excessive sweating, uh, or knows someone who does, this is the answer for you. Sweat Block was invented by a doctor and they're guaranteed to work or you don't pay. It's called Sweat Block Dry Shirt Guarantee. If Sweat Block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweat Block risk free today. Save 20% with the promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. You can go to Amazon, but at sweatblock.com, you'll get lockedon.com. Uh, Locked On gives you 20% off at sweatblock.com. So make sure you use that. Sweatblock wipes are your little secret for confidence. Try Sweatblock wipes. Work up to seven days per use. Apply them on a Sunday. You'll stay dry all week. Also, uh, multiple other products for you as well. Big speech, big date, prom. Got your kid who's got these issues? Solve it all with Sweatblock at sweatblock.com. Use the promo code Locked On. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Super appreciate it. Glad to have you aboard. Um, and Locked On Sports Today is your 22-minute all-everything sports day. So if you've got a wife, kid, dog, anything prevents you from knowing about the sports world, that's there for you. All right, here's a little note for you on getting better offensively. Here are the Jazz offensive ratings per game. So start of the year, uh, league average right now, by the way. Let's just go give it for you. Make sure that we have context. It's really high. 112.4. So anything over 112 is good. Actually, this would be the better way to tell you. Here's the percentile compared to the league. And you want a higher number here. Like, right, if you get in the 85th percentile, you get a B. If you're in the 95th percentile, you get an A. Um, this is goes zero to, so it's not quite that, but you got the concept. So opening night, we had an 82nd percentile performance. Super good. Then we went to 65th. Then we went to 56th. Then we went to 40th, then we went to 20th, and then we went to 14th. Okay, that was a little alarming. I'm not going to lie to you. I was looking at those numbers. We were 4-2, and and I had a show pretty well ready to be done about why the floor was about to drop out on this team. Like, the data was there. Like, we had... One, we were four and two. We had won two overtime close games, and we were declining from 82nd to 65th to 56th to 40th to 20th to 14th percentile. Since then, we've been in the 78th, 83rd, 38th, 
97th, 46th, and last night we had the best offensive game in any team in the NBA. It's an incredible trend. Let me give it to you again. We go from the 82nd to the 60. Imagine if this is just a percent on your test. 82, 65, 56. This does sound like my high school career. 40, 20, 14. It's pretty ugly. Our shooting went from 83rd to 48th to 35th to 49th to 28th to 9th. We lose in Denver. We're coming back for back-to-back against Memphis. Every indicator of the world is that we survived on offensive rebounding. People have kind of figured that out. And that we're not like, and it just has gone the other way. 78th, 83rd, 38 against Dallas was bad. 97th, 46 against Clippers, 100 against Lakers. Now, it is worth noting that those 97th and 100 against the Lakers and the 83 and 78 against Memphis, who has just decided not to defend yet this year. So there could be, like, it's worth taking note, shall we say, about a little bit of that and the trends there. It's an interesting little thing. The defense has gotten much better um, simultaneously. So that's why I believe this team is getting a lot better. Our opponents are not hurting us um, in that regard. And we have not seen too early to tell who they really are. But the best defensive teams in the league right now are Milwaukee, Cleveland, Phoenix, Clippers. Lakers obviously aren't holding that. Toronto, Chicago, Minnesota, who we have seen. Oklahoma City. Atlanta is ninth, who we're going to see on this trip. So that'll be interesting to see how we play with that. Um, But we have not, you know, we have gotten a few games against Houston, who's 28th in the league defensively. We've gotten a few games against Denver, who's 22nd in the league defensively. A few games against Memphis, who's now 19th in the league defensively, though we torched them, and the Lakers have now slipped to 16th because we torched them. So it could be two-way street, right? It could be that the Jazz are torching these teams. Um, Darvin Ham was super interesting yesterday. Darvin Ham said, when he was asked about the Jazz, he says, they play free, everyone's skilled, and that Will Hardy's a brilliant coach. That I'm a big fan of Will Hardy. I've known Will Hardy for a long time, and I told you guys in the last press conference that he's, gonna, that he's a great coach. I thought that was like a really good characterization. They do play free. And that goes back to kind of a Taylor Horton Tucker conversation that I had, and boy, was he great last night. You know, I talked to Taylor Horton Tucker about playing for the Lakers, and he said it was great, and he... he it was really interesting about playing with LeBron. Like he, he said that he, he just, most of the learning he did was just watching LeBron's preparation and LeBron going through the playoffs and LeBron's level of detail and just how awesome and incredible it was to be around on a daily basis. But he also said that, you know, the Lakers are, were trying to meld him into a very specific player. And that was a three and D kind of wing that matched what, they needed for him to match LeBron and Anthony Davis, that his, his development as a player was solely that of not his long-term benefit, but instead was about how do you match Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And he says, coming here, the Jazz have just kind of let unleashed him and let him go. Now, he's not getting more minutes. He's actually getting less minutes. He played 19 minutes and 25 minutes in his two years in L.A. So this isn't like, oh, he's getting time and he likes it more. No, and he's actually not particularly more efficient than he has been um, in the past. His effective field goal percentage is just kind of equally as low as it was when he was with L.A. But he just talked about how when he... So it's not as... This is not... My, my point on that is that this is not coming from some like, oh, I'm getting a chance now and they're treating me right. He just talked about the different mentality. And the mentality playing for the Utah Jazz for him right now on this roster is go play. 
widen your skills, spread your wings, see what you can do um, with your game in contrast to the, we're trying to narrow focus you into that of a uh, three and D wing limited, just playoff LeBron and AD. He's playing with the ball in his hands a great deal. He's really almost our backup point guard of the second unit as we begin to play Colin Sexton more and more with um, the with, with Mike Conley. We're seeing we're seeing that lineup more and more, and, and rightfully so. It's been absolutely fantastic. So when you uh, and, and he's and he's gained develop and and so there's just like freedom to the reason I brought this up. There's a freedom to that development, um, and I think we're seeing that. The other one Will already talked a lot about in training camp. It was a really interesting thing, and I didn't really know how to deal with what, what it means, and I don't know how to evaluate it, was this idea that he wanted them to be in great shape. I think that's coming to fruition. The Jazz are the number, and this is probably not sustainable, actually. Everybody else will catch up on this. Um, the Jazz are the number two team, in, or number one team in the NBA in second quarters. Um, by a fairly significant, like, like, they're really, really good in second quarters. Not by a significant margin. You can't. It's, there's just not enough sample size to do that yet. Um, but they're really, really good in second quarters. And I wonder if that is depth and fatigue um, hitting and the Jazz taking advantage of that, that Will Hardy talked about. And that they're out. They're not. They're running. Their transition game uh, is running at a, um, at a really, really high level right now. Um, by the way, Dal- I, I got to take it back. Dallas just went 0.1 better than us in second quarters now um, after last night. Um, the Lakers were the number three team in the league in second quarters until the Jazz kind of got them uh, last night. The, but the, the back to the w- being in shape, I, you know, I don't know how you, you judge it or look at it or know these things, um, but it, it feels to me as though maybe this is something that – Will Hardy put in, wanted them to run. They practiced hard. They, they, they went through. It was not a soft camp in any way, shape, or form. And I think you're seeing, um, I think you're seeing them run by people a little bit. Their transition offense has been, was incredible against the Lakers. Now, the Lakers are 29th in the league in transition defense. We talked about it in both broadcasts. The Jazz averaged 2.2 points last night in transition. And then 1.7 the night before against Lakers. 2.2 and 1.7. Yes, the Jazz, when the Jazz got in transition, which they only did 12% of the time, not very much, they averaged more than two points of possession. Against the Clippers, they averaged 1.75 points per possession. Um, they're not getting in transition a tremendous amount, actually, as much as the focus is run, run, run. They, they're down a great deal. Their percentage of transition possessions the last five games, when the offense has upticked, a significant amount is actually way down. Um, it's down to about 12, 13%, which is considerably less than it was before. Uh, but we'll, you know, it doesn't seem to be impacting them a lot. The offense is rolling, right? 30 assists, 131 points was the second most in a game since regulation since 1990. 151 offensive rating. You don't see that very often. There's a little bit of a math question here of what the Jazz are doing um, that, that's leading to some of this, and there's um, the Kelly Olynyk factor, and we'll touch on both those items here in just a second as we continue on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Bet Online. Yeah, you're wishing you took the over at this point, right? Uh, for all those odds, news, scores, the rest, it's BetOnline.net. 
uh, find out everything that's going on in the sports world and be a part of it. Uh, here are the latest in the NBA. Nobody's playing today because you're supposed to get out and vote. Atlanta and Carolina played Thursday. Atlanta's a three-point favorite over the Panthers. The Seahawks play Tom Brady and the Buccaneers this week in Tampa Bay, and the Bucs are two-and-a-half-point favorite in that one. NBA futures for the championship. Milwaukee's plus 550. Celtics plus 575. And a big drop. To the Warriors at plus 750. The Clippers are still number two in the West at plus 800. Phoenix is plus 900 at number three in the West. Denver's at plus 1600. They may be the number one seed. If I had to put my money on anyone to be the number one seed right now, I think I would put it on Denver. That's not putting my money on that, but just is it no? Uh, Memphis is plus 1800, would be the five seed. Dallas at plus 2000, the six. Pelicans at plus 2800, um, as you get into the play on um, as well. Also, on the idea of uh, we Luca is still our odds-on favorite to win the MVP, and boy, is he ever a cheat code. It's all at Bet Online, where the news, odds, and scores for you, the sports fan, where the game begins. The there's a little math thing the Jazz are doing here, which is. You don't lose very often if you take 40% of your shots as threes and you make 40% of your shots as threes. Like, it's not a rocket science number, but the Jazz are get, have gotten 40% of their shots up as threes in seven games so far this year. Um, they have won all of them but one. Last night, we were at 39.8. But when you get... Last night, they were at 49% from three. You're just going to win basketball games. Um, But when you start to go play this game where your 40% of your shots are from three, if you go make 40%, you win. Like, it's... It'd be... I don't know... I don't know where I can find the filters to run this number and what the percentage is. I'm sure Kevin Pelton actually has it. Someone feel free to send Kevin Pelton a note on his uh, mailbag when he launches his mailbag and see if you can find out if he can give you the answer for that because it's, um, I think you'll find a pretty good little run there of what that answer is because he, um, it it is in fact the, um, it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty darn good little number. Um, you'll win most of your games. We're, we're doing a little of that. Uh, and that's fine. That's that's just smart. And we don't allow threes. So we're having a math advantage on a nightly basis um, in that regard. The other one I would say that's kind of going on here is, that's worth kind of noting, is when the Jazz went and got Kelly Olenek, and I talked to some of the people about, you know, like what are we trying to get out of Kelly and what's what, what what's the, what's the game here with Kelly? The, the thing that a bunch of people says we got to be able to play. And and what they meant by that is we we've got to be able to have enough basketball prowess on the floor that we can play. And if we didn't have Kelly Linick, we might be starting Walker Kessler or Doka Zabuke at center or like Jared Vanderbilt is your center and Markin is your four and Beasley is maybe. And we'll probably have to do it at some point because Kelly has gotten oft injured in recent years and guys do wear out. And so we'll probably see. But to me right now, that was a very conscious decision by Danny Ainge and, and, the, and the front office to add Kelly Olenek so that we could play basketball. So we could move the ball, so we could play together, so we get it. It was done at the last second. 
was also a conscious move to move Boyan to be able to clear time for Lowry Markkinen, who's been great. Kelly Olenek, to me, it's just been amazing. He moves the ball. Um, he does get called for every foul imaginable. He does just everything we need him to do. And I actually think he is close to making the team pretty unguardable. The offense is a plus 10 points per 100 possessions better when he's on the floor. Now, some of that's he's playing with Mike Conley, and the offense is plus 15 points better per 100 possessions when Mike Conley's on the floor. Um, and we do have some guys who have really brutal minuses right now in, in this regard. I and mean, I think that's just because they're not playing with Mike Conley. But I think when you're watching Kelly, what Kelly Olenek is doing for this team, and even the key play last night, he catches in the post, conducts it out, they rotate it out, corner three that had everyone kind of buzzing in the locker room after the game. What you really, he's the one who's the conduit to playing the game the way we want to play it. Like, when we started the year, my comment was, we'll be really interested to see if we pass because we don't have passers. Well, Kelly Olenek's a passer. And by adding Kelly Olenek, we added passing. Like, Kelly Olenek, to me, is a little bit of, of what's created the pulse and the identity of this basketball team and how it's playing. And I think that's, um, it's, worth, it's worth giving the credit and the mention to. The other one I would throw out there that I think is, is super important um, is the defense that Lowry Markkinen's had to play the last few nights. Lowry Markkinen has guarded Paul George and Anthony Davis for the last two nights. Like, that's your leading scorer, your primary number one guy, totally sacrificing himself for the team, not worrying about the fact that he's he's got to handle, you know, um, that assignment. It definitely, he looked tired at times last night and then still had a monster night. But I think that's telling you, an awful lot about who he is in this collective effort you're seeing out of this team as well. And he's done it fairly well. Like, AD got the best of him for a while. He was having a hard time. His numbers historically on AD were not great. His numbers historically on Paul George were, and I thought he bothered Paul George a little bit. Um, and then the second half, AD wore out, which is now the third straight game he's done that. Lowry deserves some credit, but I thought Lowry really deserved the credit on the offensive end where he wore him out. Final thing is keep an eye on... Walker Kessler's ability to block shots and have two hands in the air at all times. It's not actually easy to do. Most guys can't do it. He has two hands up all the time. It allows him to do incredible things on tip-ins and in block shots. All right, that is Locked on Jazz. Funky week for me. I'll do a show tomorrow out of Atlanta. And then I don't, I'm flying back and forth between Atlanta and D.C. for some family stuff. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do about the shows. It's going to be a little complicated this week. So might be a little sparse, but we'll have tomorrow and we'll have after the Hawks game for you. Thanks very much for tuning in. This has been Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast in the Utah Jazz. Now go listen to Locked on Sports Today for your second listen. Have a great one.